0: This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. Welcome onto to this edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. It's awesome to have you with us. And uh, yeah, before we get into today's interview, I have got uh, something I want to share with you that I think is uh, pretty amazing. And... I think it's going to go pretty quickly. I've got uh, a funny feeling that uh, we're not going to uh, have access to this for, for very, very long. But I mentioned on our exclusive patron feeds uh, here at the Kona Edge, if you haven't become a patron of the Kona Edge yet, uh, make sure you go check it out, okay? com forward slash support is where you can become a patron. And I sort of bounce ideas off uh, our patrons before I bring them to the main podcast feed. And one of the things I've been chatting about for the last few weeks is the possibility of getting access to one of the best triathletes in the world uh, to help you out with your swimming, with your Ironman swimming. The good news is I've managed to pin it down, which I think is uh, awesome. I am super, super, super excited. But uh, if you are interested, you are going to have to move pretty quickly because, uh, yeah, it's very limited and there's only space for a few athletes. So, Uh, You know who Jodie Kanem is. She's one of the best triathletes on the planet. She's she's the current ITU long-distance world champion. She won that title uh, towards the end of last year. She's a former Ironman 70.3 world champion. She's raced at the Commonwealth Games. She's raced at the Olympic Games. Uh, Yeah, she is a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Seven-time Ironman 70.3 South Africa champion. She's the current Asia-Pacific Ironman champion. Uh, Just an incredible, incredible pedigree. And if you would like to get Jody Kanema to help you out with your swim stroke, I've got some fantastic, fantastic news, okay? Jody is one of, if not the best swimmers I have ever met in my life. She is incredible. Go and check out some of her swim splits. Do yourself a favor. I've seen and been at a race where she's been out of the water before everyone, including the the male professionals. So she is a machine, absolute machine, uh, when it comes to the swim. And... We've got a very limited opportunity to have Jody work with you. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can access this, okay? So what you need to do is uh, record your swim stroke so get yourself a gopro or get hold of a gopro and uh, you're going to record a few lengths of uh, your self-swimming okay so freestyle is going to be we need four shots essentially one length of you swimming uh freestyle with a camera head on so above the water swimming towards it uh one with it underneath the water with you swimming towards it and then one side on both under the water and above the water as well so we can really have a look at your swim technique uh if you record that if you want to do this All you have to do is head over, I'm going to make this uh, pretty easy for you, just head over to theconeedge.com forward slash pro, P-R-O, that's all you need to go check out and it'll direct you to the page, that's uh, theconeedge.com forward slash pro, P-R-O. Go check it out, uh, record that video, uh, sign up, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping by the time you listen to this, those spots are still available, but go check it out, that's theconeedge.com forward slash pro. Pro, I can tell you now, I guarantee you that if you uh become or, or you do this, your swim will definitely, definitely improve. Uh yeah, that I I can guarantee you. But enough about me rambling on. We've got a, a pretty cool guest to share with you today here on the Cone Edge, and we're gonna be talking a lot about the mental fortitude it takes to compete at the highest level in Iron Man, and I think it's something a lot of athletes neglect. They think they need to work really hard uh, specifically just at training, but they, they don't realize uh, the effect that mental strength has uh, when it comes to Ironman performance. And I'm uh, pretty excited to, to share her story with you. It's a pretty cool story as well. And uh, we head to North Carolina, to Charlotte to be precise, to catch up with Megan Fullnow in just a moment. It's time for today's Coach's Corner. If you're an athlete looking for a coach, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, we've got access to some of the best triathlon and Ironman coaches around. If you'd like to find out more or uh, hook up with one of our coaches, whether you need help with a swim, bike, run or nutrition, all you have to do is head over to theconeedge.com forward slash coaching. You can get all the details there. Check out all the coaches that uh, we've got access to. And don't forget too, if you are a coach and you would like to get access to uh, the podcast and get uh, a bit of a plug on the podcast, all you have to do is head over to that same URL, okay? It's theconeedge.com Forward slash coaching. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you can get all the details there. So that's the forward slash coaching. Well, we head to North Carolina now, one of my favourite places on the planet, to catch up with uh, our next guest, and a, a great pleasure to welcome onto the Cone Edge, Megan Philnow. you Megan, welcome onto the Cone Edge. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brad. Megan, I'm super excited. North Carolina is a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, t- tell us a little bit about your life in, in North Carolina in Charlotte. It's uh, it's a special place to live.
1: Yes, I love North Carolina. I've been here for quite some time. I grew up in Pennsylvania, and then I moved to South Carolina in high school to train at ac- tennis academy, and then I went to college in North Carolina and have been there for quite some time I moved away for a little to go to grad school and then I taught third grade back in Hilton Head but I love living in Charlotte and it's a great place to train for sure to pursue my Ironman passion and yeah it's been awesome.
0: From a climate perspective for people who don't know much about North Carolina it's it it doesn't get brutally hot in the summer. It can get warm, but it's not as bad as it does sort of down south or further south like Florida and, and that sort of thing. But it also doesn't get terribly as, as cold as, as maybe a Chicago would, if, if I'm correct.
1: Yes. Uh, the, one of my favorite things about North Carolina is we have the four seasons, so the falls are beautiful, lots of nice, colorful leaves, and we have usually a snowfall or two in the winter, but it's not bad, and it's actually just – kind of fun, the whole community shuts down because we're not really equipped to handle the snow. And, but yeah, it just doesn't last long. And then the springs are lovely and the summers actually do get really hot and humid. Today, it's gonna be about 90 degrees Fahrenheit this evening. So yeah, I mean, it gets the, I I would say the temperature is kind of erratic. Like it was cool last week and then it just really got hot. So, yeah, it, I like it, though.
0: Let's talk about sports. You you mentioned growing up and, and playing a bit of tennis. You you were pretty competitive as a youngster. How did you get into the sport of tennis, and do you still play? Is it, is it still a passion of yours?
1: Yeah, so as a young girl, I had a twin sister and an older brother, and we were all three super active. We did basketball, soccer, softball, gymnastics, and tennis, and I – actually, ironically, started playing tennis again. I took over a decade break, but this one of our friends is on this tennis team, and so she asked my sister and I to play. And, yeah, so I'm getting back into it slowly, and that's been fun. But I ended up going to Hilton Head to train at a tennis academy in high school, and I quit all my other sports and just pursued that one. And then played tennis in college. And then when I was in grad school, I only had an hour a day. And so I started running. And, yeah, I, I loved to run. And that became my new passion. And I got into marathons. And then I hit my goals there. And then I wanted a new challenge. And that's kind of how I jumped into triathlon. G-
0: growing up in a family with the siblings, as you as you did, you mentioned a, a twin sister and a brother. I I'm one of three as well, so I know what it's like in in a family okay. with lots of kids. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty competitive at the best of times. Do do you think you, your competitive spirit was was sort of bred early on in 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 your life?
1: Yes, definitely. I had an older brother who was such a good role model, and he was super active, and he liked to challenge my sister and I. He would always give us like these easy ways to kind of make it competitive for him because obviously he was better at everything than us. Um, but, and then having a twin sister, it was super competitive. I mean, we would come, everyone would just compare us and I mean, people would always ask who's the better tennis player and just things like that. So it was kind of annoying, like society's perceptions of twins and all that. So it was, that was definitely a challenge during my teenage years, but I think ultimately it, Brought the best out of each one of us and it helped us to kind of reach new heights and everything and all that. So ultimately it was good, but it was definitely challenging.
0: So, who's the better tennis player?
1: Well, my (laughs) sister played number one at her tennis (laughs) um, in college and I played number three until my senior year. I played four. We had this great freshman come in and actually we were cross training, playing basketball, and I fractured my wrist i fractured my wrist about eight times through just random bike accidents or just accident spills that kind of thing so yeah but she's working pretty hard training for a triathlon so maybe i can whoop up on her i
0: was gonna say who who's the better triathlete because i know she's into the sport as well
1: <laughs> yeah my sister <laughs> it's okay though i'm over it <laughs>
0: Let's talk about your your journey into the sport. You you mentioned taking up running and, and falling in love with that sport, and and then running marathons. Where did where, where did your introduction to triathlon come from?
1: Yeah, so actually, when I was in college, I had was studying abroad in Australia, and I met this friend who was going to do a triathlon, and he was like, "You got to do it with me." And I had no idea what a triathlon was, and he really piqued my interest in the sport, but. I didn't do it, unfortunately, but then when I was living in Hilton Head, South Carolina, my twin sister started doing triathlon, and she loved it, and then when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, we were living in the same city, and she just really piqued my interest in the sport, and then I was dating a guy at the time who was involved in triathlon, so Yeah, I bought a road bike and tried to learn how to stay on a bike. And yeah, but it was crazy. I remember in college, we were going on this family vacation to Jamaica and we were going to go scuba diving, taking just an introductory dive of first, we had to pass this basic swim test. And my twin sister and I literally failed the swim <laughs>
0: test. So we've come a long way. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. We'll, yeah. we'll chat about the swim a little bit later on, though. But okay. there's, there's one thing, sort of doing a triathlon and making the step up to an Ironman. I mean, it, it's like running a 5K and then jumping to, to a marathon. It is it is a huge yeah. progression. Where, where did, where, when did the, the thought of possibly doing an Ironman first come into your mind?
1: Well, so I went to watched my first Ironman with the guy that I was dating. He was doing an Ironman. And I was like, this is crazy. I would (laughs) never do this. He had a horrible day. He got sick. He couldn't finish. It was really sad. He was in the med tent. And my sister was there because she was going to race Ironman Florida that following year. So she volunteered. And I was like, are you sure you want to do this? This is crazy. And so anyway, she ventured into it. And she was super successful and loved it. And I was still adamant about, I'm never going to do an Ironman. But eventually, I did a half Ironman. And then a couple years later, I was cheering for her at Ironman Austria. And she actually set the Ironman amateur American record there. And I was just super inspired by her. And just all the Germans and everything, they were just so fun. And they were like, hop, 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 hop. Let's go, let's go. And just that atmosphere was amazing and I was just very inspired and I was like okay I think I want to give this a go and so I signed up for Ironman New York City in 2012 and yeah and since then I've just enjoyed every Ironman
0: it's so funny because I think a lot of people have that sort of progression where they think you know what this is stupid there's no ways that you should be doing that much in in one day like no one should do that (laughs) and it's the same sort of when you start running that when you run your first 5k you think you know what? Why would anyone want to run ten k's? It's just too far. And then you right. run your first ten, and then you go. You know what? Maybe half marathon. I can. I can do a half marathon. And that's the sort of progression. And 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 right. it's it's a mental thing. It's it's. I don't want to say it's a decision, but that's what it boils down to. Because that that almost is is playing it down. But how, how much of it would you say is a mental thing? Like a decision that where the lines drawn in the sand, and you go. You know what? I'm going to do this.
1: I think it's so much a mental thing for sure because. You can do so much more than you think you can, and I think just kind of revamping your mindset and everything. I mean, even back in college, I ended up running cross country for a year because my sister was doing it as well. And I remember that summer before my senior year, I was like, You're psycho, why would you run 10 miles? Who would run 10 miles?
0: (laughs) Why would you want to? And I
1: would just exactly, and then eventually, like that summer, I started doing it and loving it. And I don't know, so I think it's just with your mindset and just also just taking it one step at a time and gradually progressing and everything. But, and also you have to have a level of commitment and everything. So I think it's all just a combination of having the commitment and also having just that desire and also trusting yourself that you can do more than you think you can
0: in in that build up to your your first one did you get help or, or did you sort of try and figure things out yourself obviously coming from a tennis background and competitive tennis you you knew the value of having a coach did you did you get help straight out did you find a coach
1: yes i definitely need help cuz i'm very structured and i like to have kind of a big audacious goal and i needed a plan to get there and so my sister actually is my coach and it's pretty awesome because she knows me so well and she does a great job with me
0: what was the goal on that first one you talk about having a, a big audacious goal was just finishing the goal or, or did you set specifics
1: my goal was just to finish the day actually I didn't really have time goals because I didn't know what that day and entailed at all and my sister qualified for Kona in her debut Ironman, and so that was in the back of my head. But I really didn't think I would be able to do it. I just I didn't even think I'd on um, almost finish. I mean, I just wasn't sure I'd be able to finish the whole Ironman. So, yeah, I didn't have very specific goals at all. It's more just kind of getting through the day.
0: And, and how did that first one go?
1: It was good. I well, the we actually were almost not going to swim in the Hudson river because there was a disgusting septic tank spill, but somehow we ended up being able to swim. And my sister said, if I would have seen what I looked like, I would have passed out because I had like (laughs) black muck all over me. Um, Yeah. But the swim, it was in a current. So you're, I'm not a good swimmer, but my swim was like 49 minutes. It was disgustingly fast because of the current. And yeah, then the bike was awesome. And the run, We had to run up this hill called Dyckman Hill that they said makes Heartbreak Hill in Boston like a pancake. And we had to do that multiple times. And we had to run up steps on the bridges. And so it was very unique Ironman, but I had nothing to compare it to. And I loved every moment of it. And I ended up finishing second in my age group and qualified for Kona by about 80 seconds. And I felt so bad for the girl that was number three because she was so nice and we talked after the race, but we became friends and now she's qualified for Kona a couple of times. Oh, so it's cool to see that, but yeah, it was a great adventure.
0: I, I was going to say, you didn't feel that bad that you let that slot roll down. Did you?
1: <laughs> well, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. That that New York race. I mean, I remember when when it was first announced, and it, it did. I mean, you talk about unique races. I, I don't think there are many places in the world uh, that's as unique as that. And yeah, you mentioned the Hudson River. Uh, obviously, not the cleanest of places, and and that race not happening <laughs> yeah. anymore. But but I think uh, just to to be able to have said that you've done Ironman New York. I mean, that's that's pretty special. Right.
1: It was, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know it would have been the only one and yeah. done Ironman there. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Kona and uh, the sort of thoughts of of racing on the big island. And and obviously coming from that competitive tennis background, you're competitive. Uh, There's something special about the Ironman World Championships for you. What is, if I say the word Kona, what's the emotion that that evokes?
1: I would say it's pretty epic and monumental and, I mean, indescribable and hot and windy. And... Yeah, I would say – I mean, I don't really dig all the hype about Kona. It is very intimidating, and I'm so thankful that I was able to go there a couple times before I actually raced it because my sister raced there, and she actually on both times as an amateur. So it was just neat to experience it before actually racing it. Just, yeah, you go to the island, and you see all the best triathletes in the world and all their training partners, and they're just killing it, and you feel – you can – have a lot get to your head and just feel you're not equipped to be here and you don't deserve to be here. So yeah, it's it's definitely mentally you have to be very strong. And I don't know, race day the swim has improved a lot this this past year because well now they divide up the males and the females. And actually I think it's a 2.4 course because I feel like before it was a little over. But it's so intimidating. Even before you start swimming, you're like doggy paddling for a while, and I mean, it's ridiculous how aggressive it is. Even before you do a swim stroke, I mean, I was getting clobbered before I even started swimming. Girls are like pushing you, and I was like, "This is ridiculous." We have a long Ironman. Why are we fighting over our position? So it's intimidating. And then the bike is is it's brutal with the the winds and all that and the heat, but you just have to grind it out. And, I mean, I enjoy it. I like to just get tough, fight it out, and bring on the wins. And I'm, I'm like, a bigger athlete. I'm not, like, super skinny. And so I think that's good with Kona because the strength is good so you're not getting blown off the bike. The first time I did it, a girl literally got blown from the bike. So, I mean, it's, it's legitimately – it can be very scary. And the run, there's really nothing – else like it I mean running those first 10 miles on Alihi Drive is awesome with all the people cheering and with the the ocean right there and it's a lot of people go out way too fast on that section so I'm very just I make sure I take it chill and don't go out too fast and then you go up I don't even know how to pronounce it Palami. and I feel like that's a good kind of this is where the race starts. Cause then you're up on that queen K for miles and miles heading into the energy lab. And I mean, it's pretty desolate out there. There's not many people cheering for you. And so that's, I think where the race really begins. And it's really about your, how mentally tough you are out there and yes. And just staying hydrated and everything. But I, yeah, I, I love Kona. I love that way that it makes you see how tough you really are and how you have to just bounce back because there will be things that happen that are without you know that you have not planned for
0: mm. yeah totally out of your control Megan you you mentioned the, the the feeling of being intimidated on the big island and and when you arrive there and there's all these racing snakes who, who when you've qualified at, yeah. at whatever race you qualify it you you're in the sort of top Two percent of that field, so you're a big deal, there's no two ways about it, but you arrive on the big island and everyone is in that sort of bracket. How do you deal with that, and I don't want to call it imposter syndrome because I think a lot of age groupers that I, I chat to feel that way, where they they feel like you know what I don't belong here like this this is just crazy like how, how did I end up here how do, how do you deal with with that and and, and not let it get to you?
1: Right. So throughout my whole life, I've always struggled with confidence, and I've just not had much confidence. So it's always just been something that I've had to try to learn to overcome and deal with. And so I guess race week, instead of, you know, being intimidated and feeling like I don't belong here, a lot of times, I just, I I mean, I I don't really participate in everything. And I'm not running around Kona, you know, so much. And I just kind of stay calm as best as I can. I mean, I last year, I had my Kynax teammates there, we had 18 people racing. And that was awesome. So we would, we had a fun dinner together, and we would do some of our workouts together. And so that was helpful. But I think just I like to read a lot of books. I'm such a dork, I'm an introvert. And I read lots of like, mental toughness, uh, books, and that helps, call me race week. And I just try to continue to just have positive, a positive mindset. And if I have a negative thought, I try to counter it with a positive thought. So I think it's a lot of just positive self-talk and, and not comparing yourself to other people. And yeah, like you said, it you earned your spot here and everything. So knowing that and just realizing that i'm just going to do the best that i can and not really worry about any anyone else or anything else
0: i'm so glad you you brought up the the mindset side of it and it's funny that i'm chatting to you and we we spoke about your tennis background but but i'm of the opinion and it's not just tennis i think you could probably apply this to lots of sports but the the margins of of okay. sort of ability at the top level of most sports. And and let's use tennis as an example. If you look at somebody like Serena Williams as opposed to uh, uh, Agnieszka Radvanska as as an example, they're both great tennis okay. players and on the day they can probably each beat each other. That's, there's no doubt about that. But it's their mental ability that separates them, I, yeah, I think. Really? I mean, I'm no expert, but I would say what makes a, a good player great is how they control their, their belief, and their mental side of their performance do you think the same do you think the same applies in triathlon particularly in Ironman where it is a a long distance I mean anyone can fudge a, a sprint or an Olympic distance and yes you have to be good to win but when you start talking about Ironman distance where you have to be good for that long that the mental game becomes a massive factor
1: oh I think the mental game for Ironman is a massive factor for sure I mean I I think yeah it's interesting to see that the people who kind of are on top obviously they have the physical abilities but there are people just up at the top but can't break to the top that there's I mean they could even be physically stronger than those but it's just that mental tenacity I think that makes ultimately the difference um yeah I'm I'm not really a, a I, I guess I'm just not really good with practice when I'm training it's hard for me to hit my watts or it's hard for me to hit certain paces and I'm just like how am I going to do this during the Ironman for 26 miles or something but there's just something I don't know that happens race day that just I turn it up a gear and I think a lot of it is just that mental toughness and digging deep and yeah just being comfortable getting uncomfortable and knowing that there's going to be stuff that happens during the day and you can't let that define your race you just have to stay in the moment and adapt and regroup and see well what's the next best thing that i can do and how can i keep fighting instead of giving up i feel like so many people just kind of throw the race away just with one incident
0: do you think a lot of your mental fortitude came from playing competitive tennis at at sort of college level
1: i think so for sure i mean tennis is such a mental sport. You are out there on your own. And I mean, you can really be down a set in five though. And if you, I mean, really you can come back and win and that's happened. And so I think just having that and just knowing how important the mental side of things is, has just has really helped with my triathlon. And I mean, In tennis, I didn't have the super beautiful strokes. I just got to the level that I was because I had that athleticism and I had, I think, the mental strength. And so I think I use that with triathlon. I mean, I don't have the prettiest swim technique or anything like that, but I think I just know how to grind it out and fight.
0: Yeah, I think that is such a, a good quality to have. And, and I think a, a lot of athletes sort of beat themselves up because maybe they weren't born with, right. with the right sort of genes. But from a mental perspective, that's something anyone can cultivate. Uh, I mean, you, oh, definitely. Yes, having the ability, physical ability to race fast is, is great. But you can be as fast as you want. If you're mentally weak, when it starts hurting, you're going to back off. But you can develop that strength mentally that allows you to push through those tough patches.
1: I agree completely. That's something that people neglect to work on, but it's key for sure.
0: Do you do you I mean you talk about in training you you think to yourself to your heart. Do I get you? Are, are there sort certain exercises and things that you do that you think ha- help you now like things that you do now in training to to build that mental strength?
1: Well, I love to read a lot. So I read a lot of mental toughness books. So that is helpful. And I think just with my mindset when I'm racing or sorry, when I'm training, I I really try to practice the mental toughness on some of those harder workouts and everything, whether it's getting on autopilot and turning off my brain so I'm not having any negative thoughts, so it's more just neutral, or whether it's coming up with a simple mantra, that kind of thing, just different things during training. Cause yeah, you need to somehow. You need to practice it a little bit so it's, you know it can come out on race day.
0: What are some of the things that you do to dig yourself out of those, those holes, those dark patches? We all get them. And, and again, I think that's the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete is someone hits one of those bad patches and they can push their way through and, and almost break through that barrier. What are some of the things that you do in the race when, it, when it's hurting, when you, you really are hating yourself and wondering and questioning your sanity? What, what do you do to bounce back?
1: Yeah, so it depends on the circumstance, but sometimes I just stay in the moment. For instance, in my Ironman, Texas, I was on mile like 20-ish of the bike, and I was coming out of a water stop, and my front wheel went over a water bottle, and then I flipped off the bike and crashed. And they were like, medics, medics, ER, ER. I'm like, I'm okay, I'm fine. I just just need a bike mechanic, and – so I couldn't fix my bike. Um, that's my major weakness, my horrible mechanical skills, <laughs> and I tried to fix it to no avail, and thankfully the mechanic was able to come and rescued me, and so instead of letting that blow up my race, I was just like, I'm just going to take this. This is just a tiny little piece of my long day, and so I didn't dwell on it, and as soon as I got back pedaling, I'm like, fresh start, getting going, and so sometimes you, sometimes you might need to just focus on the whole day, the grand day as a, a whole, just be like, this is just a tiny piece of the day. Like, I'm not going to let this define me or, or crush me. Um, so that's helpful. And then other times, yeah, I, I mean, other times I just try to take it one stroke, one pedal, one stride at a time. Cause it can get overwhelming if you're on mile 80 of the bike and you're like, Oh my goodness (laughs) 32 miles and then I have to run a marathon and it's just like how do you get through that so just kind of let me just get to that next water stop and all that and I think that helps me for sure
0: Megan knowing what you know now about the sport and you've been around it for a few years now if you could go back and talk to yourself when you started out what would what would you tell yourself what would you do differently what what advice would you give yourself
1: Oh, that is a great question. I, oh man, what advice I would say. man, that is a really good question. <laughs> You're stumping me. Um, let me see. I don't know. I mean, I've always just enjoyed it and kind of had it. I've always kind of stayed pretty balanced, but I would say one thing, this is a little thing, but to get a power meter from uh, the beginning, well, not the complete beginning, because you don't even know if you will like this sport, but once I started kind of enjoying this sport and knowing I wanted to pursue it, probably getting the power meter would have been really helpful because I train a lot by feel, which is great. And But there's something about having that power meter where you know your exact watts that you're trying to maintain and hit and everything so it just helps with having specific watts to hit and everything so i think that really helped
0: what's still to achieve in the sport what's uh, what, what do you still want to want to do
1: well so i'm going to kona this year again and i really hope my twin sister can qualify as a pro so that would be um Amazing to be able to race with her there, and I would like to do better than I did last year at Kona. And um, my lifetime goal is to go under 10 hours, and I'm pretty much my last few Ironmen are all like 1010, 1011, 10, 1007. 10, 10, so I'm kind of at that spot. So we'll see if I can break that one day.
0: <laughs> Your analytical sort of where's that 10 minutes 10 11 minutes going to come from you you obviously have an idea what are you working on what's where do you need to find that time
1: well I think it would be a good combination of everything all the little disciplines and transitions I never practice or anything so I think saving a couple minutes there and then if I can swim a, a few minutes faster and yeah, my run is my strength, but I feel like that's where I haven't been making the gains like I'd like to. So I think if I can pick up that run, that would be great because I've over the past have made gains in the the bike for sure and then the swim. And so, yeah, I think coming from the run would be good.
0: And and taking that Hudson River current with you, I'm sure that that would help.
1: Yeah, maybe if I chose an Ironman <laughs> with a current, that would be as a really good helpful way to get under
0: 10 (laughs) absolutely well megan it's been great catching up thanks for for joining us on the cone today i look forward to chatting about uh, the individual disciplines and and digging a bit deeper there and and finding out what you do and how you do it to to get better but uh, we'll save that for another day thanks for your time
1: awesome thanks Brad.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Cone Edge. I hope you enjoyed that uh, that, uh, podcast today. Fantastic story. And uh, yeah, hopefully that's really helped you out from a mental perspective. Don't forget uh, your opportunity to get Jody Kunima to help you out with your swim uh, swim stroke. All you have to do is head over to theconeedge.com forward slash pro, P-R-O. Don't forget, go check it out and rush because uh, there are only a handful of spots available and I'm pretty sure they're going to go fast. So uh, that's theconeedge.com forward slash pro. Before I go, a quick iTunes review for you. Uh, From Kirst Flanagan in South Africa. Kirst, thank you so much for your review. It says, resourceful, motivational, and entertaining. I'm loving this podcast. Having recently picked up a bike and entering a 70.3, I've downloaded countless triathlon Ironman podcasts in search of advice. When I first listened to The Cone Edge and heard it was local, meaning South African, I almost pressed skip. However, I continued to listen, and I'm so grateful I did. It is my best. Every episode provided me with some sort of tip to help me become a better athlete not only in Ironman but other sports too. I love that there's so many women being interviewed and the race nutrition plays a big part in the podcast as well. The best part is that on days when I feel unmotivated and wonder why I'm doing Ironman, I put it on and always feel motivated at the end of it. So thank you for doing what you do keep it up. Kirst, you are so welcome. I'm so glad you you gave me a chance. Uh, I feel exactly the same about some of our uh, other South African podcasts. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much. I really do appreciate those five stars. Much appreciated. Uh, High five, coming your way. Uh, I don't know who you are, but I'm sure I'll see you at a race uh, locally at some stage. Make sure you come and high five me. We'll chat soon. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for the Kona Edge.